millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Past, the podcast about those who would never rule. I'm Veronica Fortune and this week's episode is John of Gaunt, part two. Welcome back to part two. Part one saw the childhood and early training of Edward III's third surviving son, John of Gaunt. We then learned of his and the Black Prince's victory over Henry Trastamara in Castile. Sadly for them, Henry would escape and eventually win back Castile. I finished with the Black Prince's illness, lack of payment from Peter of Castile, and Henry Trastamara's return to Castile. John of Gaunt must have returned to England not long after his return to Gascony. We know this because around September of 1368, Blanche of Lancaster gave birth to the couple's final child, a short-lived daughter named Isabel. Isabel would have been conceived sometime between December of 1367 and March of 1368 to have survived even a short amount of time after birth. I have found references to him being out of the country, but I cannot seem to find where he was. Sadly, not long after giving birth, on the 12th of September, Blanche died most likely from the thing that has killed many women throughout history, complications from pregnancy or childbirth. Childbirth was truly the big killer of women for much of history. If one made it through childhood, they were likely to live a long life if they were male. But if they were female, there was always their 20s and 30s to get through. Those prime years for bearing children. Blanche had spent almost five and a half years of her nine-year marriage pregnant. She was only 26 when she died. While their marriage wasn't a love match to start with, it does appear that John of Gaunt and Blanche did fall in love. In his writings to her and about her, he expresses love. Chaucer's writings imply that the couple loved each other, and John of Gaunt would mark her death yearly for the rest of his life. For John of Gaunt, the sad year wasn't over. In October of 1368, Lionel of Antwerp died in Italy. They may not have been as close as John and the Black Prince were, but it does appear that his siblings were all deeply saddened by Lionel's death. Not long after these two deaths, John of Gaunt's parents attempted to arrange a second marriage for him. The intended bride was Margaret of Flanders, the only surviving child of the Count of Flanders, Louis II. She was instead married to Philip the Bold of Burgundy, the youngest brother of the French King Charles V. Philip was, of course, the youngest son of John II, who, at only 14 years old, had stayed with his father at the end of the Battle of Poitiers in 1356. 
They were both taken prisoner at the time, but the young Philip had been released in 1360. Philip's life and the lives of his descendants are an amazing story that I can't get sidetracked by at the moment. Please listen to Grand Dukes of the West, A History of Valois Burgundy with Josh Zucker if you want to know more about the Burgundian situation right now, um, and I'll see what I can do in the future. The marriage between Margaret and Philip would put an end to English-Flemish cooperation. Patrons will get a special episode about Edward III, which will cover this a bit more. In early August 1369, John of Gaunt left for France and his first battle without his brother's support. Edward III was set on restarting war with France, which had been in abeyance since 1360 when the Treaty of Brittany was ratified. I mentioned in the Black Prince's episodes that Charles V was not the martial king his father had aimed to be. He was more bookish, very well-read, and a careful planner. He honestly would have made a great contract lawyer, which really came in handy for France, actually. According to the Treaty of Brittany, the French had to pay a sum of 3 million écus, or crowns. I haven't found the exact amount for this, but an online historical currency converter converts it to 584 million US dollars today. The treaty also stipulated that England would receive a significant amount of the left of France, without homage, meaning it was Edward III's territory, and he was not a liege of France. Edward III had to agree to relinquish his claim to the French throne and, more importantly, remove all English fighters from France. The initial payment of 1 million crowns allowed John II to return to France in 1360 to raise further funds. His second son, Louis of Anjou, was held in King John II's stead. Louis of Anjou did what all hostages should be expected to do. He escaped in 1363 and John, in an almost idiotic display of chivalry, returned to captivity, where he died in 1364. Edward III took control of his territories in France, but the last two stipulations, renouncing his claim and removing English soldiers, were not followed through legally. (laughs) In fairness, Charles V never finished paying off his father's ransom, but he could easily make the excuse that since his father was dead, there was no one to pay for. Charles was able to use Edward's failure to remove his former fighters, now roving bands of marauding soldiers ravaging the French countryside, and lack of renunciation to legally restart the war by attacking Gascony. At this time, John of Gaunt's brother, the Black Prince, was very unwell and very broke. The campaign that had culminated in the Battle of Nehera had left him near bankrupt, and he had needed to pass an unpopular hearth tax on his Gascon citizens. Charles V was able to foment discontent among the Gascon nobility. Many did complain to Edward III, who ordered his son to cancel the tax. But this did little to stop the discontent when Charles V was doing all he could to convince nobles to complain. The Black Prince was unable to defend himself, literally in battle or figuratively in Paris. Lucky for him, John of Gaunt was there to help. Remember, this is John's episode. Edward III wasn't upset about the war restarting. This is the time that men measured their manliness and favor from God by their victories in battle. So very different from our evolved sensibilities today, 
where men don't measure anything. Edward III wanted an excuse to return to war. His oldest son being unwell wasn't what he had planned. Fortuitously, for John at least, his brother's illness was good luck. He was appointed as lieutenant in the March of Calais. With 6,000 men, he marched south to Picardy. Sadly for him, the French weren't looking for a fight. It appears they had learned from his brother's victories and wanted to avoid offering the English battle. Charles V seems to have preferred the Fabian strategy and wasn't bad at it. By avoiding battle, securing towns, and keeping civilians and supplies protected in walled cities, the English would run out of supplies and be forced to return home. This is the proper use of this strategy, good old Count of Armagnac. For John of Gaunt, the timing of this would be sad. In August of 1369, his mother, Philippa of Hainaut, died at the age of 56. She had been unwell for a while, suffering from edema, a swelling in the extremities. Her death was a blow to her family, and all of England for that matter. She had been an incredibly popular queen. After his wife's death, Edward III's mistress, Alice Pereres, would become a more prominent figure in court, to the king's detriment. John of Gaunt would not be able to return to England until December. He would spend his time before his return attempting to pillage the French countryside until disease raced through his camp. Philippa's death seemed to exacerbate the Black Prince's illness. He had begun to rely on his friends, especially John Chandos, to run Gascony. Sadly for them, and for us in many ways, Chandos died in a comedically minor skirmish on the 31st of December, 1369. With his death, John of Gaunt was sent to Gascony to support his brother. He reached Bordeaux with 1,000 troops in mid-August of 1370. Edmund of Langley, the Black Prince and John's brother, had been in Gascony as well, but he wasn't the man either of his brothers were. I promise I'm not picking on him. You will see. The Black Prince was so unwell, he needed to be carried in a litter to see his brother. This move from Calais to Gascony is why John of Gaunt was at Limoges. While the Black Prince is most associated with it, John of Gaunt actually led the siege. I stated in his episode that the Black Prince was carried in a stretcher, but it was actually a litter. The latter being more regal. After Limoges, John of Gaunt and his brother returned to Bordeaux to find the prince's oldest son, Edward, had died of the plague at only five years old. With this devastating blow, the Black Prince, sick, heartbroken, and actually broke, handed temporary control of Gascony to John of Gaunt and returned home to England with his wife Joan and their surviving son Richard. Disappointingly for John of Gaunt, Gascony was not easy to govern. Charles V had done a great job turning the wavering nobility away from England. The duchy was also, for lack of a better word, broke. Gaunt had promised to stay until the end of summer 1371. He did try to fix up the duchy's finances, partially to help his brother and father, but also in hopes of invading Castile and being crowned king there. Wait, what? The Gascon barons are the ones who suggested this, via the suggestion of a marriage between John of Gaunt and Constance of Castile. Constance and Isabella had been in the Black Prince's custody since 1366, as I mentioned last week. Now in 1371, they were orphans. Their mother had died in 1361, and their father in 1369. The Black Prince had been keeping them in hopes of one day 
getting repayment for his Castilian campaign. He left them under John of Gaunt's protection. Yes, this does make them literal hostages who will marry their jailers. In 1371, Constance was 17, and whoever married her would have the right to the throne of Castile, according to Peter the Cruel's will. John of Gaunt sent knights to retrieve the sisters. On the 21st of September that year, he quickly married Constance, with none of the pomp normally associated with royal weddings. I can't find evidence of the couple needing papal dispensation. Their closest shared ancestor was six generations back in both John and Constance's lines. Eleanor, Queen of Castile, if anyone is curious. Though they were also related in the sixth degree through Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine and two of their respective children. The church only required dispensation at the fourth degree of consanguinity. John was 31 at the time of his second marriage, unlike his first marriage. He and the bride would not have spent time together before their wedding. The bride was the same age as his first wife was at their wedding. I do find it disturbing that this was the norm for noble and royal girls at this time, but becoming a queen was an aim for many princesses. It would have been seen as an honor. In her mind, Constance was hoping that her new husband would make her the queen of Castile and kill her treacherous uncle. She likely saw being his wife and having his children a fair trade. John of Gaunt had completed his service in Gascony on his brother's behalf. Due to how broke Gascony was, John of Gaunt didn't have easy access to funds. He was able to secure passage to England on a salt ship. But once in England, Constance had to pawn some of her possessions to pay for transportation to London. Upon reaching Westminster, his father repaid his costs from his time in Gascony. While this marriage was not a love match, it does appear that the couple got along well. Constance was 14 years younger than her husband and had a very different upbringing than him. He had been raised in a family that was incredibly close and loving. Her father, on the other hand, had claimed to have married her mother, but then married again and had multiple children with various mistresses whom he possibly could have taken steps to legitimate at any time over her and her sister. John of Gaunt and Constance would have one child survive to adulthood, Catherine, but there was evidence that Constance had multiple other pregnancies, including a second one that did make it to full term. There was probably a good reason that John of Gaunt and Constance never fell in love. He was already in love with someone else, Catherine Swinford. Many of you will have heard that name before. She is the subject of a rather famous novel by Anya Seton that presents her as the heroine and Constance as the woman blocking her happiness. If this is your introduction to Catherine and Constance, please remember that they are much more than ever could be presented in a piece of historical fiction. Catherine had been a servant in Blanche of Lancaster's household. Men had been in charge of Blanche and Gaunt's daughters, Philippa and Elizabeth's education and household management. Catherine's father was originally from Hainaut and had come over with Philippa of Hainaut's forces in 1328. Catherine, then Rowett, had married Hugh Swinford in the 1360s. Her exact date of birth isn't known, but both she and her first husband were of similar age. Based on records, it's likely they were both born in the early 1340s, making her a similar age as well to her second husband, John of Gaunt. Catherine and Hugh had between two and four children. 
two are confirmed, the other one to two are strongly suggested. Both John of Gaunt's recent biographers agree that his and Catherine's romantic and sexual relationship didn't begin until after the death of Hugh Swinford in 1371. John of Gaunt swore as much to the Pope, and he was a pious man. Gaunt and Catherine would have four children. Through these children, they would be the ancestors of every ruler of England from Edward IV and Scotland from James II. Of course, Gaunt is the ancestor of all those other royal houses through his other wives. Their first child was born in 1373. Their children would take the surname Beaufort after the location that their first child, John, was supposedly born at. John of Gaunt is accused by chroniclers of being brazen with his affair, but his own records seem to indicate that he kept his second family separated from his wife and child, though his children from his marriage to Blanche were close to their, temporarily, illegitimate half-siblings. They were also close to Constance. It also appears that Constance bore no ill will towards Catherine. While it wasn't a hippie commune or an intentionally polyamorous relationship, it does appear that everyone got along. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And after this message, you'll hear more. John of Gaunt's brother, Edmund of Langley, married Constance's sister Isabella in July of 1373. As you can guess, the age gap between the two was similar to John and Constance. And sadly, they were even less compatible. In 1373, John of Gaunt would return to France at his father's order for another go at engaging Charles V in battle. He landed in Calais in August with the aim of marching to Bordeaux. You may remember the distance from the Black Prince's episode, but it's about 900 kilometers as the crow flies. 
This is referred to as the Great Chevuchet, or John of Gaunt's Great Chevuchet. He left with 9,000 men. Charles V, as he had done previously, avoided battle, and as earlier, protected his people and supplies behind walls and destroyed anything that couldn't be protected. It gave the English minimal supplies to forge or raid for. John of Gaunt's troops were also harassed by French troops who could quickly hide behind walls if needed. With 9,000 men to feed, plus their horses, John would have needed to have been well supplied. But Edward III seemed to expect him to live off the land. Gaunt and his men would march from Calais to Reims, around Paris, before marching south to Gascony and into Bordeaux in December. The route he and his troops took covered more than 1,500 kilometers. Once he and his troops reached Bordeaux, Edward III failed to send his son expected funds. John of Gaunt had lost approximately two-thirds of his men due to hunger, disease, and minor skirmishes. His original plan had been to continue on to Castile, to claim that throne with part of his army. But due to his losses, he was unable to do so. His attempts to take his wife's birthright would be thwarted by both his father and eventually his nephew. John of Gaunt would return to England in April of 1374. He returned to a country in crisis. The Black Prince's health had not improved as all had hoped it would. Remember, John of Gaunt and the Black Prince were very close. His older brother had taught him almost everything he knew about battle and had helped raise him. Edward III was still healthy, only 62 years old, but since the death of his wife Philippa, he had been, well, under the influence of lust. Alice Pereres, whom I mentioned earlier, had been Edward III's mistress since at least 1364. During his wife's lifetime, he was discreet with his extramarital affair. But her passing seemed to have ended his prudent behavior. While having a mistress was accepted in upper levels of society, it was never appropriate to treat her as a queen. Especially in a literal sense. Edward III showered Alice with jewelry and money and paraded her publicly. What's worse was Alice's influence over the king. It was abhorred by both the common populace and many of the lords. Classism is to blame. Alice was seen as rising above her station by the commons and the lords alike. Alice was also accused of witchcraft, a not uncommon accusation against women who had gained power. It's easy to think we're past this, but think of the unkind things said in certain areas of the press with regards to the former Catherine Middleton, Meghan Markle, Mary Donaldson, or even Letizia Oritz Rocasolano, all middle-class women, both prior to and after their marriages to various European princes. One important thing to remember is that Alice had a great deal of influence on Edward III. Well, it appears that Catherine and even Constance had much less of an influence on John of Gaunt, save for Constance's literal claim to the Castilian throne. John did his best to intervene in the situation. He even managed to get Alice married to a middling nobleman as a way to further distance her from his father. On the 28th of April, 1376, Parliament met for the first time since November of 1373. These days we're used to parliaments or Congress meeting regularly throughout the year and annually without disruption. While the king or queen in the UK calls Parliament or their representatives in the Commonwealth, it is more tradition than fact. Edward III hadn't called Parliament, despite wanting what it could give him, 
because he was not looking forward to being reprimanded by either his lords or the commons. So why call Parliament at all? Put simply, he wanted and needed funds, and only Parliament could approve of new taxes to give him these. This Parliament, on the surface, doesn't seem as revolutionary as the barons forcing Magna Carta on John, but it would be a revolutionary Parliament. It is known to history as the Good Parliament, with Edward III trying to avoid confrontation and the Black Prince too unwell to lead. John of Gaunt was the crown's choice to preside over Parliament. Edward III's counsellors in charge of funds were questioned by the Commons. One, William Latimer, was impeached, the first time the Commons had held a lord-to-legal account. Alice Pereres was ordered into exile after being tried for corruption. Parliament's goal was to reform the government and to put in trusted counsellors for the king. This is where John of Gaunt got himself into trouble. While he was more than happy to send Alice away, the lords didn't seem to like her much. He didn't feel his father's leadership should be questioned. He thought it was undignified for the king to be treated as though his choices in counsellors were incorrect. Now, I'm all for parliaments holding kings and queens and presidents to account, as I think most of my listeners are. But we're not a 14th century prince who thinks there's a certain level of dignity in his and his family's existence, and is not used to being questioned. John of Gaunt did have some interesting revolutionary ideas, and I'll come to those. But his family's rights were not where he wanted to see revolution. Also, unlike John of Gaunt, most of us aren't regularly accused of having evil intentions towards our own family. It was clear to all at this time that the Black Prince was unlikely to succeed his father. He had been unwell for more than half a decade and wasn't getting any better. While Edward III had been healthy well into his early 60s, he'd recently been showing signs of ill health. The Commons was understandably worried about John of Gaunt, a powerful military leader usurping a young boy. Remember, the last time a grandchild should have succeeded his grandfather, his uncle had usurped him. This would be Arthur of Brittany, who was usurped by King John. Of all the insults lobbed at John of Gaunt, this is the one that would have been the most painful and, as it turns out, the most false. He was completely loyal to his nephew, to the point of putting his own health and safety at risk regularly and allowing his own son to be exiled. I mentioned it earlier, but had the old English still been in control and the Witan in charge of succession, I don't doubt that John of Gaunt would have been their first choice for King of England. According to their system of succession, any Ethling, a legitimate son, or brother of the previous king, or sometimes grandson, was eligible to be king. Under this system, the eligible men to be king at the time of Edward III's death would have been Richard of Bordeaux, John of Gaunt, Henry Bolingbroke, Edmund of Langley, Edward of Norwich, and Thomas of Woodstock. Richard, Henry, and Edward were all children. Richard the oldest was only 10, Henry a few months younger, and Edward was only four. That's Edmund's oldest son. In earlier times, this would have prevented any of the three from being crowned king. Child kings were not preferred when there was an adult available. Of the three adults, John of Gaunt would have been the most likely choice. Proven military leadership and the oldest. Edmund of Langley would have not been the Wheatan's choice. He was not known as a great military leader. And there are a few other things. 
Finally, Thomas, who was only 22 and had minimal military experience at this point. While he would prove himself as a military leader, he was just too young at the time. So, in another timeline, John of Gaunt would have been a shoe-in as King of England. But that wasn't the timeline he lived in. And instead, he was regularly accused of things he never indicated he would do. While Parliament was sitting, the kingdom, Edward III, and John of Gaunt received the worst blow. In June of 1376, at only 45 years old, the Black Prince died. You already know this since you listened to his episodes. If you haven't, go listen to them. They're really good. His brother's death would have been a horrible blow. It also meant that the fears of him usurping his nephew in the Commons were made even more real. The Commons demanded that Richard of Bordeaux be presented to them so they could raise him up as his grandfather's heir. John of Gaunt and his father had sworn to the Black Prince on his deathbed that they would respect and support Richard's rights and inheritance as Edward III's heir. The good Parliament was dismissed in July of 1376. Edward III hadn't gotten all the tax he wanted, and it had cost him his lover, the reputation of his oldest surviving son, and some of his own dignity. For John of Gaunt, it was worse. I'm going to quote Helen Carr because she honestly said it perfectly. Quote, John of Gaunt never sought to disallow the commons a voice. In fact, he endeavored to hear their pleas. However, he would not entertain the notion that someone could rise so far above their birth station as to impose their rule on the king. End quote. And, quote, John of Gaunt's loyalty to his family, to the dying request of the Black Prince, and to the authority of the crown, meant sacrificing his reputation to the people. He was able to enhance the love, respect, and security of his nephew Richard among the people, but he could never redeem himself. End quote. Richard of Bordeaux was invested in his father's titles in November of 1376, making him both the Prince of Wales and the Duke of Cornwall. In January of 1377, young Richard opened a new parliament. This one would be known to history as the Bad Parliament. John of Gaunt is accused of packing this parliament with his supporters, but modern evidence shows that the good parliament actually had more Gaunt supporters, both in numbers and percentage. John of Gaunt's goal with this parliament was to undo everything the last one had done, and he did a pretty good job. His main point was to show that royal prerogative couldn't be questioned. Edward III got his full tax at this parliament, and the legal idea that the king could change his mind when promises were made under duress, which had already been pushed forward, was proven. After the bad parliament was finally closed, John of Gaunt had multiple reasons to celebrate. First, he had gotten what he wanted, even if it cost him the love of the common man, at least in the south of England. And second, his son was being knighted. Edward III was knighting Richard of Bordeaux, Henry Bolingbroke, and finally, his youngest son, Thomas of Woodstock. Of note, Richard of Bordeaux outranked his uncle as the Duke of Cornwall. Thomas was not ennobled, as in given any title, by his father. Sadly, this would be the last thing Edward III would be able to celebrate. On the 21st of June, 1377, Edward III died at the age of 64. While he had been healthy for a very long time, his last year had seen him in ill health. He likely had a mini-stroke in November of 1376, and during his recovery, Alice Pereres was allowed to return 
to the dismay of both the lords and the commons. 1377 was a rough year for John of Gaunt. He was trying to undo the earlier good parliament, dealing with the death of his brother and the illness of their father. And John Wycliffe, a religious reformer who had enjoyed Gaunt's long-term patronage, was being charged with speaking against the church. The 14th century was not a time of religious reform. Of course, there were reformers, but nothing like the Protestant Reformation two centuries later, or the earlier various Catholic heresies. Wycliffe was, in fact, an inspiration for these later reformers. For those who are curious, Wycliffe is considered an important religious philosopher who questioned the privileged status of the Catholic Church and wanted to simplify their ceremonies and practices. His followers, at least those after his death, are called Lollards. In his own time, he would influence Jan Hus, whose execution would lead to the Hussite Wars in the area we call the Czech Republic today. Religious reform within royalty, at least in England, was near non-existent at this time. And John of Gaunt wasn't Henry VIII. But he may have been interested in limiting church influence and power within the kingdom. John of Gaunt's assistance helped Wycliffe off for the moment, but this disagreement between John of Gaunt and the Bishop of London, who was prosecuting Wycliffe, would be an ongoing problem for both men. At one point, John of Gaunt had to flee his house because of rebels incited by the argument between these two men. He sought refuge with the Black Prince's widow, Joan of Kent. This is also when the rumor of John of Gaunt being a bedpan baby began. People were much more creative with their insults in the past. With the death of his father and the ascension of his nephew, John of Gaunt should have been powerful and unchallenged. But distrust between various factions in court and the church, combined with his unpopularity with the common people of the south of England, prevented John from having much power. The common people of Lancaster and Leicester may have supported him, but the south was not his power base. Gaunt would have influence on his nephew. He was his uncle, after all, but no official role outside of being a leading magnate. At this point, I'll be taking a break until next week, when I'll finish Gaunt's story. Unlike many past and the kings who ruled, he does not fade quietly. He was active in England up until the very end, though his influence shrank as Richard II came into his own. Thank you again to my patrons, Mark, Ashley, David, Krista, and Carrie. Your support is always appreciated. And as always, thank you to Philip for editing this four times. You're the best. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Past. I can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PastPod. That's P-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D. Please feel free to email me at pastpod at gmail.com. I have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com forward slash pastpod. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.